Today, Ali and I will be discussing our favorite entertainment that we consumed in 2022. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, what we normally do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today is a special episode. Today we'll be discussing our favorite things we listened to, watched, and read in 2022. And of course, because 2022 was just more virus this, surge this, overburdened healthcare system this, we decided let's just take a pause on the medical topic for today. Yeah, that's fair. Surge this, poke this, prod this. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Ali, so let's get started. We'll each pick a couple from each of these different topic areas. I think I mentioned listening, watching, reading. So why don't we start off with reading? How short is your reading list, Asif? Quite short. Okay. I'll get to mine in a second. You can start. Let's talk about what favorite things you've read in 2022. Like last year, it could be something that came out before and you just consumed this year. Right, right, right. It coming out this year. Of course, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, I read more than this. I wanted to keep it a little bit tight as a list and not have it be. I just feel for people because most people, it's the same way as me. You've got already a list of 20 books that you have to get through. And I know this as a guy who just wrote a book. People are like, you are number 28 and I will get to you. But I've got, you know, what I mean, like it's just it's too much stress sometimes reading. And I know I talked about one of the great gifts we got from my brother-in-law this year was the Saturday edition of the Globe and Mail. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it comes and it's like, great, let's read the globe. Let's spend the weekend reading the globe. And other times you have so many things to do that it becomes this stressful rolled up paper. You're like, God oh, damn it, the paper. I still haven't read the paper. You know what I mean? And I, I just didn't want this to be that. So I kept it to four things. And one of them I haven't even read yet, but I'm about to go on a trip and I will be taking it with me. But I have read this person's other books. I have nothing but the greatest faith in this and how great this book will be. And actually, it's five books. Number one, I'm going to talk about a book that was written a number of years ago, but I only consumed it today. I only consumed it this year. It's an indigenous author named Richard Wagamese. And from what I hear... It doesn't really matter what you read from Richard Wagamese. I should have read Indian Horse. I should have read maybe Medicine Walk first. But in the end, I read a book called Starlight. It is so beautifully written. It is so incredibly written. And it's so connected to the land. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I really like stuff that has dialogue. I don't need 23 pages of Mm. description of a barren prairie landscape. I just don't, that doesn't do anything for me. You've already impressed me after page two of your description, but after I, I just can't do, which is why a lot of books haven't landed with me. But this book was so great. I recommend anything from Richard Wagamese. This is where I'm starting my Wagamese journey, Starlight. I just find it so beautiful and so incredible. It was a huge page turner. And this was early in 2022 that I read this, really loved it. The next book I'm going to pick, you know, I host something called Canada Reads. Many of our listeners will know we've talked about that at length. Canada Reads introduces me most often to all five new books. Not always, but it it often introduces me to five new books and five new authors and sometimes new panelists who sit at the table with me championing those authors. So all five of these books this year were great in their own very uniquely special way. I mean, it was it was a completely different read, each one of them. But the winner of Canada Reads Five Little Indians. And it was, I don't know, one of the most powerful things I've ever read. And you can think you know enough about the indigenous history and situation and the plight and the the various challenges. But this book is just, it's very, very special in the way it'll, it'll reach into your chest and grab your heart. I really think Five Little Indians should be mandatory reading for people. And then there's the next three. So I picked The Long Road Home, which I haven't finished yet. The Long Road Home is a book called Long Road Home on Blackness and Belonging. It's by Deborah Thompson. She is a journalist, now an author. She is, again, this is, again, I would require, I would say this is required reading. 
if you are Canadian or American, you're interested in the history. I don't know what other word to use other than plight, mm-hmm. but the, the situation that Black Americans and Black Canadians find themselves in. Deborah Thompson writes about it quite. So this is a book like you read it. And I'm about, I, I think I can read about 20 to 30 pages and then I have to put it down because it's it's painful. It's painful to read. It's tough, but again, recommended reading. And and I think in your library, you should have books that are an escape completely. I think fiction and biography play a good role. And I, th- and I think that there's these really important mm-hmm. books, you know, stuff that's not required of people who should be reading them at a very, very young age. And as we see a lot of people trying to pull the rug over history and pretend like a lot of history didn't happen. I think it's even more important that you read this. Okay. Next book I have not read yet. This is on my list. This is in the next three books I'm going to read. This book is here. It's called We Spread by Ian Reid. Ian Reid, I have met and I have interviewed after I read his book, Foe. Foe was, that is some piece of writing. I tell you, you probably heard of the Netflix film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. That was based Mm -hmm. on his book as well. Mm -hmm. So this guy is a pretty phenomenal writer, pretty good dude, really like very cool to talk to, really easygoing, laid back guy. And I'm excited to read this. It's been referred to as as a masterful book and people can't put it down. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this will be a fantastic book and I will be reading it before New Year's over the Christmas break. And then finally, so that's basically five books, this is the number fifth. And this is not going to be for everybody, but this is something I read in the interest of my uh, the teaching I do. I don't think I can apply any of this to my teaching, but it's Colin Quinn, mm-hmm. comedian, well-known, established. Ali, by the person. way, is holding up all these books yeah, I don't know why to, I'm doing to show that. them to me, which is very nice. Which is you guys nice can't see you. them. but It's I called The Coloring see. Book, but this is like, I, I like the picture of this too. It's A Comedian Solves Race Relations in America. Spoiler alert, he does not do that, but he's, he's being facetious. But it's an interesting read. You know, Colin Quinn is, if you listen to interviews with Colin Quinn, he is very thoughtful. He's very interested in what is good about America, where America is going wrong, what they have wrong. He grew up in an incredibly diverse uh, neighborhood. And, you know, it's his friend, look, the, the, the book is on the back, acclaim for the coloring book, just two people, Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock. These are his pals. These are his contemporaries. These are his buddies from when he first started comedy. And it's an interesting read. It's unlike anything I've ever read before. And sometimes he's dancing on the line as a, and a guy like me, who's got the CBC part of my life. I start thinking to myself, can he say this? Is this going to be bad for him? And you know what? You got to put that all to bed and understand that this is this person's unique experience, how they grew up, who they grew up with, how people would talk to him, how he would talk to them. I really enjoyed it. And it was recommended on Facebook by Kenny Robinson, who's a, we call him the godfather of, of stand-up comedy in uh, in Canada. He's a, a black dude out of Winnipeg. And I think he probably likes Colin Quinn's, Quinn's comedy because Kenny's also very politically minded mm-hmm. in his comedy and in his life. Thanks to to Kenny Robinson for recommending that book. It was on that recommendation that I p- picked this up and ordered it. That's it. Those are the five. Coloring Book by Colin Quinn. We Spread by Ian Reed. Long Road Home, Deborah Thompson. Five Little Indians by Michelle Good, also phenomenally lovely person. And then Starlight or Anything, because I plan in 2023 to read Indian Horse for sure, but anything by Richard Wagamese and you're off to the races. Okay. Well, I read less books than you did this uh-huh. year. So I'm just going to mention two. And I read probably more nonfiction than I read fiction. And I, I was telling Ali this offline, nonfiction books, they're a bit of uh, your mileage may vary with the tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell's big book 10 or 15 years ago, it kind of was this boom for nonfiction. And basically, it would be a person looking at literature, often economics literature, but maybe psychology literature, and then kind of coming up with a theory to explain things like The Tipping Point or his second book, Blink, and then kind of going over that. The problem with a lot of these nonfiction books is they could just be a long, they should have just been a New Yorker magazine article or a Atlantic magazine article. And somehow they get ballooned out to 250 pages and you're like, I don't really need to read all this. I kind of got the point right after. I would love to see you write that to Malcolm Gladwell. And be like, hey, man, this could have been a small essay. Write it publicly and then get lit on fire. That's what I want to see. Well, anyway, Will, I, I don't know if I'll do that because he's kind of the master of it. Lots of people have copied him. But anyway, 
It is by Seth Stevens David Owitz. That's his name. Okay. I always have a hard time pronouncing it. So he had a book a couple of years ago, which he published. Now he's a uh, he's a PhD in philosophy, I believe, and he was a Google data analyst. So quite an interesting job that he ended up having. And his initial book was called Everybody Lies. So the premise of that book, which is an amazing book, I recommend it for every single person. He's like, one of the advantages of Google searches is now you can actually tell what people really think about things, more so than if you just did interviews with a bunch of people or had them fill out a survey, because there's some social desirability bias for when you fill out surveys or you're participating in focus groups. But when you're looking something on the internet, you're not assuming anyone is going to keep track of what you're doing. Of course, Google does in aggregate data, which is big data, and what that's what he was in charge of when he worked at Google. So I won't ruin that book for you, but everybody should read it. I'll give you a little hint. I've told Ali this before. I don't know if you've ever read the book, Ali, but I have not. I've never in heard his India, name. yeah. He looked up the most frequent term that completes this sentence. You know how Google has autocomplete, right? So it says this is men in India Googling. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Am I worried? Why can't I get my wife to and then there's an autocomplete. I'm not going to finish it for you guys. I want you guys to pick You're up the joking. book. joking. if you dirty tease. And see what happens. It is, I guarantee you, each and every one of you, it's the last thing you're ever going to expect. Okay. And, it's, and it says a lot because what they're looking at is something that is very unusual, kind of not really talked about. Anyway, so he does this for many things, sex, race, race relations in the US. It's a very interesting book. So he takes this idea of looking at data, and that's what his new book is, Don't Trust Your Gut. You could say it's a counter-argument to Blink. Blink was Malcolm Gladwell's book, yeah. which we just talked about, where it's like, yeah, those gut instincts, they're the correct ones, right? And when you sit and you ponder something, that's not as good. Again, Malcolm Gladwell is oversimplifying it for his argument, but this is probably more true, that things we think are true just are usually wrong. And so... I'll give you a couple of examples from this, but it's really worth reading because he talks about a lot of different things. He talks about relationships. He talks about parenting. He talks about work-life balance. He talks about what makes you happy and things that we think make you happy don't. There are some things that do, like being with your romantic partner does. This, the data shows makes you happy. Work makes you extremely unhappy unless you work with a group of people that you really like. I think we all kind of know this, but it's nice to hear it in, in the data, right? People say, I love my work. No, you don't actually love your work. You love the people you work with, right? So there's a bit of a difference between them. In fact, they all, he also looked at what's the biggest predictor of happiness in a relationship. And the biggest predictor is, again, it's obvious, but it's not. People say, oh, we have a lot in common. Uh, we come from the same ethnic background. I know what it religion. is. I know what, what is it is. It? Communication. No. Oh. The biggest predictor, so that's another thing that people think it's not true. The biggest predictor of whether you're happy in a relationship, it seems obvious, is whether you're happy outside a relationship. Of course. And Ali and I know this because we have many friends who have, let's just say, troubled relationships. I let's don't know name them we, all we here. So First right. of all, there's... <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. But there is a common denominator. People They're are all our friends. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. That's right. Maybe it's us, is what I'm trying to say with this, with uh, people who are so unhappy. But it is. So, so people are, are inherently unhappy, and then they think that their relationship will solve it. They won't. So this is kind of something he looks at. Same thing with money. He looks at how much money that you need to have to be happy. And then there's one study where they said, if you have $75,000 a year in income, that's all you need. There's no gain in happiness after you achieve that amount of money. Mm. He looks into that study a bit more. And actually, there is more gain as you get more and more money, but it's less and less over time. The increments are much smaller as you, as you get more money until you get to $8 million a year, Ali. I know you're almost there. Oh, and yeah. Once you're at $8 million a year, there is an increase in happiness, basically because anything that you don't want to do, you don't have to do anymore. Someone will do your shopping for you, do your driving for you. We'll fly your private <laughs> you jet get for to you. Eight? You got to get to eight to have people eight? do things Listen. for you? Well, I don't know. That's what they say, that you'll be happy when you get there. It'll be soon. It'll be soon. Don't worry. Okay. Anyway, and then they also think like, uh, they also found in terms of raising your kids, like, what if, should we do this? Should we do that? We agonize over all these decisions. They're like, you know what the best, biggest predictor of how successful your kids are and how happy they are? Genetics. So people don't like to think it's genetics, but it is. So- all this day, I won't go over the whole book. I kind of just did, but I suggest you check it out. Very interesting. And then the Davidovich. second book. 
Yes, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, the second book, I don't know if you've heard of this book, Ali. It's called "Is There Bacon in Heaven?" Ah, uh, awesome. Now, it seems it's also I'm because I list. Uh, yeah, exactly because I read barely any books this year, but that was one of them. And of course, there's an asterisk beside this because I'm recommending it. You're my friend. You're we're doing the podcast together, and I'm not featured in the book, but so many of the things you talk about, like. I smile and I reminisce because you talk about the old house you guys used to live in Montreal, which was a townhouse and a slanted driveway. And there's a park across the street from there. I remember that. You talk about some of our mutual friends. I get to reminisce well, about your you're not family. You're featured my in family. the book, but you are thanked in the book. That's and true. your family, your father, is uh, yes. is featured in the book yes, because yes, of the right. impact your family yeah. had on ours. So, you so know, it, take those wins there. I, I will. I will. Anyway, I really enjoyed the book. I think it's great. I think everyone should check it out. My wife is reading it now. She's like laughing beside me when she's reading it in bed because of all the jokes. I think it's it's really fun. A lot of my friends have bought it. They, they've really enjoyed it. So again, like I said, there's a bit of an asterisk because obviously I have a personal relationship to the material, but I think it is worth picking up. So those are my two, only two reading recommendations for the past year. Hmm. Hope you read more in 2023. That's what I'm going to say. Well, so. maybe. I mean, I have to have time to fit in all the watching, but let's not get to watching now. Let's do listening. Let's do listening. I told Ali we can do two things for listening. We can talk about music, but also podcasts, because we are a podcast. We do listen to other podcasts. So, Ali, why don't you go first? Yeah. So, I am going to recommend some podcasts. I don't listen to music anymore. I think that's been pretty clear. I don't know. I just don't know how to do it. If I'm listening to a show called Q on CBC radio, many of our Canadian listeners will know about Q. Sometimes I've a guest hosted it. That's my greatest opportunity to catch some new music. And they don't always have new music, but so often they do. But otherwise, I just, I don't know how to do it. I, when I have, if there's a podcast about something that will make me laugh or smile or educate me or make me a better person. I'm going to go with that every time, even versus old music that I love. I'm, I'm almost always picking podcasts. So I have no albums or songs here for 2022. I'm sorry to say I've been listening to smartless. And that is a podcast with Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes, who's a Will of Grace, or Will of Grace fame. But, you know, I loved Arrested Development. Uh, I mean, I, my words can't even describe how much I love that show for those first three seasons, especially. And sort of have these dudes here. I really like it. You have to get used to the fact that there's going to be a lot of commercials. They take breaks and they're long. That's okay. You press that 30-second button if you don't like them. Or you support some of the products they're... Um, they're a shilling. Is that the word? Mm -hmm. It is. It yes. Is, it is. But really it's just, it's fun. It's a fun conversation. And I was reluctant going in because I'm like, that's just too many people on a podcast. Three hosts with big personalities plus a guest. I thought it would be a lot. It isn't. They have, they found a way to make it great. And it's probably one of the biggest listened to podcasts mm -hmm. among industry people in the world of acting. Always every single guest they have on says, I'm such a fan of the podcast. I listened to this episode, that episode. So it's getting around and it's a good time. And I think always puts me in a good headspace when I listen to that show to, you know, to closer to the beginning of the day. Next up is Conan Needs a Friend. I just discovered mm -hmm. that this year. This is like Team Coco Productions. This is Conan. And he has said, Conan O'Brien has said, like, he's been pretty clear about the fact that as a host on television, he wasn't always able to choose. In fact, he was rarely able to choose who was coming on his show. Somebody has something to promote. They're on a junket, a press junket. They're going to be stopping in at Conan. And there were times where he really didn't care about their autobiographical film or, or whatever it was. You know, he just didn't, but he had to pretend that he did. This show is him inviting guests on who he loves and enjoys or respects or admires. And it really comes through also in the production of it and in the listening experience. So I think it's great, as is the case with all podcasts. You just go through and be like, oh, I wonder what... Conan and Paul Rudd had to speak about. Well, I wonder what Conan and this comedian had to speak about. You know, and you get a good feel for it, and it's it's pretty interesting. One of my favorites, I'll just give you a favorite, was Conan O'Brien with Stephen Merchant. And Stephen Merchant, of course, helped create the the Office in the UK and has gone on to do many many things. 
one of the funniest dudes and their mutual respect for each other was so palpable it made for one of the best plane rides i've ever had it was a great episode i went and texted like seven people i know to listen to it another podcast i recently discovered fly on the wall now fly on the wall is david spade and dana carvey if you have no love for saturday night live from ever this is not for you but i actually like David Spade quite a bit. I like his comedy. And I think Dana Carvey is one of the most talented entertainers of our time. I mean, this guy was mm. insane as far as how, and I say entertainer because he could do so much. He could do probably stand up, but he could definitely entertain you with song and dance and sketch and characters and fantastic. So it's the two of them and they have guests on, and again, you pick what you love, but Kevin Nealon was a great guest that they had. And they'll talk at length about, you know, Norm MacDonald. I was very surprised Dennis Miller was a great guest that they had as well. I thought Dennis had sort of gone a little bit off his rocker and was mm -hmm. really like uh, ultra right wing. And it doesn't seem to be the case. I feel like I had the wrong information about Dennis Miller. Mm. Recently, they had a two-parter with uh, Lauren Michaels. Rob Schneider was a great guest of theirs. I thought that was a great episode as well. That might've been a two-parter as well. So it's just funny. If you have some knowledge of Saturday Night Live, you'll understand what they're talking about. You won't need extra fill-in-the-blank stuff. They don't break down too much stuff. Like Smartless always goes, hey, here's for whatever, Tracy in Michigan. They always have some Sean Hayes sister who's not in the industry. They'll break things down, but Fly on the Wall doesn't. It's great. If you like SNL, it's a great episode. Two other podcasts out of the comedy world. One is called Mindset Mentor. It's a guy named Rob Dial. My wife turned me on to this guy. It's not long. It's about 17 to 18 minutes. And it's a daily reminder about having a better mindset, quite simply, whether it comes to procrastinating, laziness, gearing your mind towards success, keeping negative thoughts out of your mind, all kinds of things that we probably think we know enough about, but then when you hear somebody talking about certain techniques that you can employ for energy, for positive thinking, for I've really enjoyed it. I've kind of tapered off in the last few months, and I'll tell you why. That's the the fifth podcast. There's just not enough bandwidth. There's not enough time to listen to all the podcasts. But I really enjoyed that. I was probably listening to it two or three times a week, going back and listening to other episodes. And then the fifth one, which I only really discovered about a month ago, was Jay Shetty's On Purpose. So Jay mm -hmm. Shetty is a guy who was a monk as a young person for a couple of years, I think, and then sort of grew this business as basically, a, he's a life coach to the stars. Don't let that distract you from the great work and great guests he has. But listening to his guests... There's a guy named Sean Stevenson. That's probably one of my favorite episodes he just had on at the end of August or beginning of August. Fantastic guest. He'll talk to Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins, whatever you think of Tony Robbins, is talking about a lot of the new technology, medical technology that's coming out to help with all these diseases that we are ridden with at this point. And it's pretty interesting. I didn't think that that was a subject of interest. And I wanted to mention something else. You know, he talks to this football coach, and I can't remember the name of that episode, but, you know, you were just talking about the inherent unhappiness, Asif, and you're talking about the predictor for kids being happy is their parents, their, their genetics. This is, I find that stuff very interesting, and he has guests who talk a lot about that. And, for example, this he and this football coach were talking about this idea of people who are like, I know I'll be happy once I blank, 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 right? Whatever it is. I'm not happy right now. I just need this and then I'll be happy. How often are those people happy? Very rarely, mm -hmm. very rarely. And in fact, if you are wired unhappy from a young age, because you're just like, oh, I hate this city. Once I move to a bigger city, I know mm -hmm. I'll be happy. Or I hate this school. I know I'll be happier. He, he talks about like, basically all you're doing is training your brain to be unhappy. The more you are unhappy with your present situation is just a training for long-term unhappiness. And obviously there's a lot of data to support it. This is not just anecdotal, Asif. I have to say that for you. You're very evidence-based mm -hmm. and he has a lot of people who come out, you know, who bring the evidence to the table. 
And so just him talking about when he was young, he was like, you know, I was a driver, I was a delivery driver. And he goes, and it, you know, on paper, it sucked. It did suck. You're like double parked with your delivery truck. People are honking at you. You're getting out in the rain to wait outside, buzzing somebody who's not coming down to get their delivery and up and down stairs at these companies. And they said it wasn't great. But every day that I worked at that job, I'm like, I am learning. I'm preparing for the future. I'm learning how to be on time for a job. I'm learning how to face adversity. I'm learning how to be a better employee. I'm learning how to deal with a boss who's not a great boss. I'm learning how to deal with his coworkers. And he said, I had that mindset from the beginning and that always helped me. So anyway, if you are raising children in this world, if you are somebody who is looking for stuff that inspires you to be a better person from a health perspective, from a work perspective, from a relation. He's very big into relationships. His latest book is about the eight something, the eight ways to love, the eight stages of love. Damn it. I don't know that. I'm perfect in love. I'm very lovable. So I didn't look up that book yet. I did, but I forgot what it was. But anyway, On Purpose with Jay Shetty, it's you know multiple millions of listeners to that. I'm pretty happy I discovered it. I go to Kingston from time to time, Queens. I go on to teach at the University of Queens University. I go in Sudbury here and there. I'm a lot of two, three hour trips in different directions. And it's a it's been a great companion over the last month and a half, especially with the the amount of driving and traveling that I've been doing. Well listen, you should ask Rob Dial and Jay Shetty to be on our podcast. Okay. They are extremely famous and will likely yes. say no. But yes. it's worth asking them. <laughs> Okay, so I will have less. I'm just going to pick one music album and one podcast. What? So That's it? I thought you are always on the podcasts. I have so many things for the watching. I wanted to try to keep this brief. Oh, okay. So the first you're listening, it's, it's – these two things are, by the way, huge in their own respective areas. Albums, it's Taylor Swift's Midnight's. I mean, listen, it was – the single most streams of any album in one day ever on Spotify. Number one in so many countries. It became 2022's fastest and best-selling album. The highest vinyl sales in the 21st century. Vinyl sales. Wow. And her 11th number one album on the Billboard 200. And you guys probably heard this. This is the biggest thing that happened. She had... 10 of the top 10 songs on the Billboard Hot 100, the most for any album. So in other words, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 were all singles from her album. I mean, damn it, it's unheard of. So it's good. It's catchy. It's great. It's produced and co-written by Jack Antonoff, who used to be with the band Fun. He is her main collaborator now. I mean, listen, man, when someone has talent, it's kind of undeniable. It's great. It's catchy. Definitely recommend for podcasts, again, I'm picking probably the biggest pop star on the planet, and I'm going to pick the biggest non-comedy podcast and non-interview podcast, which is Serial. Serial, we all know from the Adnan Saeed case in their first season that released what blew it open. Of course, Adnan Saeed now released from jail, so we've had the follow-up to the Serial case. So I don't listen to all of the different serial kind of seasons. The one from last year, I kind of got a bit annoyed with, so I stopped listening to it. This is the Trojan Horse Affair. This is the one I do recommend. It's a very interesting story. And again, I won't get into too much details, but basically it centers around a schools in England. And what happens in these schools, is, and it's a reporter whose name is Hamza Saeed, and he's doing this reporting with Brian Reed, who created S-Town, which a lot of people say is the best podcast that's ever been made, also as part of Serial. So it all took place in Birmingham, and basically the schools in Birmingham, there was a lot of Muslim influence in these schools, let's just say, which people say, that's a bit strange. Why are you having religious influence in schools? But in the UK, you're actually supposed to have religious influence in schools. That's It's part of the mandate for schools. Birmingham, UK, not Birmingham, Alabama, in case anybody Correct. Yeah. Sorry, yes. But it doesn't specify which religion should be involved. So that's why in communities in Birmingham, where you had a large Muslim population, they would have Islamic education in the schools. And I guess some people maybe had a problem with that for various reasons. And then there was this document that came out, this whole Trojan horse affair that came out, where basically it was a document that was uncovered that was kind of mistakenly found, which in it related a conspiracy to convert all the 
children in these school boards to ra a radical form of Islam. That document is basically kind of felt to be a hoax. It wasn't a real document. But the question is, who perpetrated that hoax? Mm. Why was it perpetrated? And this went all the way up. Like this controversy that occurred in Birmingham was discussed in Parliament in the UK. It, it went up to such high levels. And so the question is, who perpetrated this hoax? This is a Trojan horse letter, it's thought, a document. Why was that done? Who was responsible for it? What was their underlying motive? I won't tell you guys anything else because it's interesting to hear about it. I would, if you are interested in listening to it, don't read anything else about it and just listen to it through the lens of this podcast and then you can read about it afterwards and maybe some of the controversies that came out after the podcast. So, uh, but that's my recommendation for listening. So Ali will finish it off by talking about watching. So this could be things you saw in TV and the movie theater, streaming. What have you watched in YouTube? Maybe some influencers on YouTube. No. What have you watched in the past year? I'm just going to give you a few that I really, I won't go on too long. I know this is your area of expertise. I'm going to let you dive into these. But I am going to say that recently the show Mo was quite good. That is Mo Amr, who people might yes. know from the show Rami, or might know if you don't get, if you're not illegally downloading it in Canada, or you're not watching Hulu in the US, Ill illegally downloading it worldwide. Rami is very aware that it is being uh, illegally downloaded a fair amount. Rami is a great show. Mo is not a spinoff, but Mo Amr is a big, uh, one of the leads on Rami and has his own show called Mo. And I really liked it. I also... I know Mo. I know a little bit about his story. I've heard many of his interviews. One of the really good ones, good ones, is on Fresh Air from this year with Terry Gross on uh, on NPR. I'd recommend that. Such a great interview, even before you watch Mo. Great show, autobiographical, semi autobiographical. Good comedy, good heart. Yeah, it's on my list. I do want to watch it. It looks great. Mm -hmm. Also, Mo Amer is in Black Adam, the new yeah. Rock. Dwayne Johnson yeah. superhero movie. I didn't realize that. I started watching. I'm like, is that Mo Amer? And it is. So that movie, not on my list, but sorry, keep going. Not really relevant for you to say that in this moment, but okay, great. Next up, I we really enjoyed Murderville as a family. Murderville is hosted by Will Arnett. He plays this like rough around the edges, washed up detective. And they basically bring on somebody new every episode. And it was a variety of people who we knew, who you'll know. Kamel Nanjiani comes on, and Martin Short comes on, a bunch of people come in and they know nothing about the crime. They are put into this situation to be like, help solve this crime. And so it's like part improv. It's based on a British show that had the same premise. That's where all the good shows seem to come from. But irrespective of that, good entertainment with the family. If you haven't watched it, you have a family, you watch it with them over the holidays. If you do not have a family, watch it over the holidays anyway. It was great. Season two is coming up soon. Uh, Jason Bateman is going to be one of the guests in uh, season two, helping solve more murders. I also really liked Severance. Okay, so This is Adam Scott doing type of acting he's never done. And it's also directed by Ben Stiller, created by Ben Stiller. You talk to, you know, if you if you listen to the interviews with him, this is they started pre-pandemic. They started 2019. And he just loved this idea, this concept of this severing yourself. When we think of severance, we think of like a payment that you get, or you know, fired or let go. But this was an actual severing of your work mind and your outside of work mind. So you don't know what happens at work and your Audi, as it's called doesn't know what your innie, the guy who's at work, the lady at work, uh, doesn't know what your innie's doing. You know, you explain it and you're like, I don't know. And you start watching this show. First of all, incredible, stellar cast, great acting, great performances, and a concept that I don't know if I would have normally been into, but it was sold to me very quickly. Really enjoyed it. I'm going to, this is like a double run the burbs. And Children Ruin Everything. These are two great shows in Canada right now. I think you can get Children Ruin Everything on possibly Roku or something in the U.S. Run the Burbs is coming to the U.S. soon enough. And when it does, be aware of that. Canadians, watch the show. The new one comes out in January, the new season. It's going to be very funny. I recommend you watch the first season first. The reason I put them together is because one show is about children are a goddamn nuisance. And one show is about, I love my children so much, I can't believe they're growing up. 
so fast and they're going to leave us soon. And they're two sort of different sides of the same child coin, but really, and, and, you know, children ruin everything. Also a little trivia written, created by a friend of Asif's as well as a guy I know pretty well, Kurt Smeaton. Kurt Smeaton, I would say we're not friends, but he is very good friends with my good friend, Ed. Ed so exactly. I know Kurt it's through Ed. That this is, so we're, we're both connected to Kurt. Love him. Great stuff. Funny guy. Really, really funny guy. Always great stuff that he puts out. So I would recommend that show. And Run the Burbs, I am in it. And there's a bias. But man, I do love that show. I do love the the content and what we've been, what I've been able to be part of. And season two is even, even better. So I hope people look forward to that. Number three, I've got three, two, one here. Number three is Sort Of, which I also have a role in. Season two just came out. Listen, this show is like, we had... Bilal Beg on the show. Please listen to that episode. And if you haven't watched season one of Sort of, season two is out now for your viewing pleasure. It's such a great show. It's so the acting is like unlike I've ever experienced. It's it's not your typical comedy. It won a Peabody Award. It won a number of different awards because it is just so different. And really like special, a Pakistani trans lead right away. That's a crazy thing. So it's inspiring people all over the place in ways that they, they never thought they would. Very inspirational show. And then just the quality of the writing and the production is absolutely amazing. Also, again, irrespective of my involvement, I think that's a great show to watch. And also Bilal Beg was a great person to talk to. Please listen to that episode of Dr. Versus Comedian. Number two for me, Reservation Dogs. So I have been, I teach this class, I've only taught it once so far, called Diversity in Stand-Up Comedy. Through that class, I wanted to focus on, uh, you know, a week or two on Indigenous comedians. And it's not a huge group. Indigenous comedians, I started with Charlie Hill, who's one of the only Indigenous comedians to appear on television. He was on Carson uh, many years ago. You know, he's kind of a hero to, uh, to, to this community. Learning about Charlie Hill, I learned about a sketch troupe called the 1491s. Why are they called the 1491s? Because 1491 is the year before 1492 when America was quote unquote discovered. Imagine that. We talk about the month of March 2020, how we all thought we were all going to be great and then COVID came. Imagine an entire lifetime of not being conquered and oppressed and subject to genocide and then it all changes and you had no idea it was happening. So the 1491s, one of the members of that sketch troupe is a guy named Sterling Harjo. I start hearing more about Sterling Harjo, Sterling Harjo, sketch comedian, director, writer, and I hear his name associated with Reservation Dogs. Then on Canada Reads, one of the people sitting at the table was Devery Jacobs, who was a lead in Reservation Dogs. And, and then they mention Ganyadio Horn. Ganya Dio Horn also has a role, smaller, but is in Reservation Dogs. And I'm like, I have all these connections to this show and I watch it. It's really something special. It's a lot like Reservation Dogs. It's, uh, I mean, sorry, it's a lot like Sort of as well, where it enjoys the silence, enjoys pain, and then goes into comedy. Like it, 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 when I say enjoys, I mean, sits in pain and trauma and then goes into comedy. And it's a very different thing that I'm not experienced. I also won a Peabody Award, also won a Spirit Award. It is heralded as this fantastic show. It's, you know, I don't want to overstate it. you got to go in there with, with lower expectations and it'll just, I feel like it's just such a fantastic show. I'm just finishing the first season. Very excited to start the second season. Number one, speaking of multiple seasons and the second season that I haven't watched is White Lotus. I just... Man, what a show. Created by Mike White. For me, Mike White had already achieved the pinnacle of success by <laughs> writing Nacho Libre. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's already like, you're the best, buddy. And then School of Rock. I was like, yeah. well, you can just kind of retire now. Apparently, he is also in a number of movies. He's also in something called Chuck and Buck. Have you ever heard of this movie? Chuck I've heard Buck? of Chuck and Buck, yeah. Jeff Bridges in the New York Times called Mike White's performance in Chuck and Buck the performance of the decade. So I, I got to see this, but he collaborates a lot with Jack Black. They do it. So I thought it was a different Mike White. I didn't even know it was this guy, but man, has he found his rhythm? It's so fantastic. And the acting on this show and, and the writing, I just can't say enough good things about White Lotus. It's pretty wild and pretty fantastic. We're about four episodes into the second season. Loving that as well. 
tough first season to top, but second season is great. And then there's two comedy specials I'll tell you about that I liked, which are one is Bill Burr. I liked his live at Red Rocks because Bill Burr, you're always like, how's he going to make us feel uncomfortable and then come out of it again? What's he going to do? And he continues to do it. And I continue to enjoy his perspective on many, many things. And the second one is Gerard Carmichael's Rothaniel. The first time I saw Gerard Carmichael, it's live. It's at Just for Laughs. He's on stage and he's flipping through his book. And I remember being like, hey, man, why don't you take this seriously? You're at Just for Last Festival. People are paying a lot of money to see you. And I had very sort of low expectations of Gerard Carmichael. And I'm the idiot in that story because he has gone on to outweigh those expectations over and over again. So this special is directed by Bo Burnham, who's a fantastic director. Watch the movie Eighth Grade if you get a chance. Also a terrific comedian. And it is about, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but it is about Gerard coming out as gay and not fully understanding who he was. And I think it's a pretty important and also fun special. He's he's quite charismatic. His stories are great. He's got this strange charm to him, this very low-key energy, and it's really, really quite good. I would recommend Rothaniel and Live at Red Rocks if you are a fan of Bill Burr's. Well, Ali, that's a good list. I must admit, we have such different tastes because I want to see probably majority of things that are on your list and I haven't seen them just because of timing and everything. So I'll go through my list. I will refrain from talking a lot about shows that we have already covered on this podcast. All right. So okay. things that we've already covered, Ms. Marvel, which we've talked about before. Okay. I love Miss Marvel. It's funny. I what I like about that show is actually the family, the interpersonal aspect. Seeing these. Did Pakistani you not just Muslim. say you will refrain from speaking about I know. it? No. I mean, I'll say one, one or two lines. Okay. Okay. The family, the actual action scenes and the superhero stuff is actually pretty bad in that show. But I really enjoyed watching it with my family and my parents. We need. Dude, to talk you about said co- Miss Marvel. I heard Miss Maisel in my mind. I'm like, what superhero shows? Oh my god. What superhero okay. scenes? Okay. Well, both great shows, Miss Marvel That's and right. Miss Maisel. That's right. And both talked about on this show. It's true. We need to talk about Cosby, the documentary series from the beginning of the year. Again, it's a must watch. Harley Quinn, again, I talked about this show, this animated show, just so hilarious with a great voice cast. Hacks. Oh, we oh, talked yeah. about the first season last year. The second season came out this year. So fun. Again, Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder, just a great duo. Such a fun show. And then the, in terms of movies, the big one I saw this year was The Batman. Again, as I mentioned when we talked about it on our episode earlier this year, I think is the best depiction of Batman that's ever been done in film. It's not necessarily the best Batman movie, but it's the best depiction of Batman. So, getting into more detail for things we haven't talked about on the show very much, uh, sort of, is the only commonality on our two lists. Again, I mentioned it when we had Bilal Beg on. I love this show. As I said, I watched every episode of the first season in one day. I was so enamored by it. I just think it's great. Well acted, well written. You got to check it out. Second season is out now. I'm about halfway through the second season right, right now. Enjoying it. At the beginning of the year, I also watched Peacemaker, which is the DC comic superhero show with John Cena. <laughs> I remember uh, you texted me James and said, Gunn. it is not for your children. I remember that was an it important is note that you extremely violent, extremely inappropriate, but it was just so much fun to watch that show. I looked forward to it every week when it came out. It's just unbelievable. It expands the superhero genre. I think they finally found a great role for John Cena. I think he's wanted to break into acting similar to Dwayne Johnson, and he's kind of made it with this. It's probably my favorite superhero show that's come out. Second under that, similar is She-Hulk, which is the Marvel uh, show that's on Disney+. Plus. Again, it's Tatiana... I don't always say her Maslani, name. Maslani, buddy. Maslani. Maslani. She is such a great actress in this show. So charismatic. Canadian as well. And she plays She-Hulk in her human form as, and also when she hulks up. Shout it's out very- to Saskatchewan and a previous phenomenal role she did, which is Orphan Black, in case you're, yeah, you don't know the name sure. and the, the role. But yeah. A lot of fun, well-written, and she breaks the fourth wall. It's just a lot of fun. So I recommend that. Speaking of a lot of fun, the after party. So the after party, uh, it kind of came and went, and people didn't talk about it too much, but it was so much fun. I think I texted Ali and told him. You did. I watched two episodes, and then I kind of forgot. I don't know what happened. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed those, too. Sometimes you just get distracted. 
So it has Tiffany Haddish, Sam Richardson, uh, Ben Schwartz, Dave Franco. It's made by Chris Miller, who uh, did 21 Jump Street, Last Man on Earth. And basically, it's a murder mystery that takes place at this after party after a high school reunion. And every episode is done in a different style. It's from a different character's perspective and a different style. So one is like an action movie. One's a romantic comedy. One's an animated movie. It's just a lot of fun easy to watch and it's a whodunit as well it was it was great apparently there's a second season coming out then there's atlanta which just finished its last season we probably should have devoted a whole episode to atlanta we will season four it is uh i mean this was a groundbreaking show i i remember when ali and i were talking about comedies and when i watched the first season of atlanta i was like this it changes the game for how comedies were made a show like grammy which you mentioned before couldn't exist if atlanta wasn't there first that's a very interesting comment that's a very interesting comment and i did not consider that but you're probably right it is funny but i i was telling all this again offline it's a comedy slash something. So it's a comedy slash drama. It's actually a comedy slash horror and those of you who watched the show who've watched get out Knives Out, Get Out, Get Out, and some of the Jordan Peele stuff. That's what this 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 show kind of is. And uh, you're like, well, why is that? Well, if you read interviews with interviews with with Donald Glover, who created the show, he said he wanted this to show the the black experience in America and the fact that horror and kind of fear and anxiety plague the black experience is very important. There have been some criticism of the show, like it's made for a white audience and things like that. I'm like, listen, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to kind of weigh in necessarily on that because it's probably not really my place to. But this was just a show that's unlike anything. There would be never be another show unlike it. You have to watch it. And if you want to watch just one episode, the eighth episode of this most recent season is called The Goof Who Sat By The Door. It is a half-hour mockumentary about the Goofy movie made by Disney, and they kind of pretended an alternate reality that the head of Disney was a black person, and they made a Goofy movie to represent black people. And it just... I couldn't believe they made uh, an episode of television like this. It's honestly unbelievable. Uh, I know I say that a lot about things, but you honestly can't believe it. Just to finish up a couple more shows, they all start with B. The first one is The Boys. Again, this show completely not appropriate for children at all to watch. Ultra violent, ultra hilarious. It just goes to new lengths every episode uh, and every season. Uh, that was a ton of fun. I always look forward to that show coming out. Barry, this was the third season of Barry extremely dark it, this is a show that was again a comedy drama or a dramedy it has moved all the way into drama and and suspense for those of you who, who watch it and even those of you who don't barry's really fallen off the deep end did you finish did you watch it this season Ollie? barry i mean and the end i'm the actually last I'm, I'm sitting here shaking my head I'm, i don't know if you can see i'm nodding my head because i'm like how did i not put barry on my list what kind of idiot am i to not put one of the greatest pieces of entertainment my eyes have ever laid on into my list. But anyway, it should be, it. let's just say it is. But yeah. I'm in full agreement. I'm in full agreement. Such a great it show. Is, I don't know where they're going to go next year with the show, but uh, such a great show. And the acting is just superb. The direction is superb. It's great. And then the last show I'll talk about is Better Call Saul. It finished its final season this year. This is probably the best show on television in terms of dramas. It just... I don't know what to say. The acting is superb. The directing is superb. The writing is superb. It, it's really a miracle. The biggest miracle is that it was the team that came off Breaking Bad and they did a prequel to it and the prequel was, some say, even better. I'll leave that to people to judge what they think, but it was amazing. Uh, Ray Seahorn, or Ray Seahorn, I should say, is actually how you pronounce her name, I think was the best actor on TV this past year. I've said that many times. She is absolutely amazing. Thankfully, they're making a new show, again, produced by the same producing group, and she's going to be the star. Not related to the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul universe, but she deserves it. She's such a great actor. So that's it. That is my list for things to watch. I think between me and Ali, you guys got a lot of things to watch, listen to, and read. We just made your holidays. We made yeah, your exactly. holiday season easy. Not really, because you have none of those podcasts have hundreds of episodes. So, good But luck. if you're doing any traveling, check out what we talked about. Again, all these are perfect to download, read, or listen to.
So that's our show for today. Let us know what you thought. Again, people are always, always have stuff to comment on, which I love, and Ollie loves as well, when we do these picks. How could you have included this? How could you have missed this? Mm-hmm. Let us know if there's something that was really telling that wasn't on our list. And even if we hadn't watched it, read it, or listened to it, it's good for our listeners to know that people should check something out. Sure. And given the date that we are airing this and that you're hopefully listening to it, it's a little bit before Christmas, I think we also included a few stocking stuffers in there. People don't yes. consider this, but... Reservation Dogs that I mentioned, for example, is on Disney of all things. It's not your mom and dad's Disney. It's a different Disney, right? It's a whole new world of Disney. You can find a lot of shows that you would think are not you know, along the Disney theme and the family theme. And yeah, maybe get somebody a year sub- subscription. It's less stressful than the Globe and Mail newspaper subscription, I'm sure. <laughs> the books that we referred, I, I would stand behind any of those books, including the ones that Asif so eloquently waxed on about. Great stocking stuffers, great, yeah, including, I'm very happy. I Look, my whole life has been self-deprecation, but I will say I'm very proud of this book. I'm very proud of what I wrote. I'm, I'm glad it's entertaining people. You know, I had to, there was a couple of people I needed to get their review out of the gate. And early on, they said, these are people who read for a living. And they both were exceedingly complimentary where they didn't have to be. And that gave me the confidence to say that I do stand behind this book and people who are not my friends, the non-Asif dojas in the world have also written to me and written wonderful things. So it would be my pleasure to be in your Christmas lists. I'd be, I'd be very happy and honored to be on those lists. So definitely consider that. Also reach out to us, drvcomedian at gmail.com, drvcomedian on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere, not TikTok. We mentioned that before. (laughs) And a little public service announcement just To let you guys know, we are taking a break for the holidays. We'll be off for the next two weeks, and we'll be back the first week of January with a brand new episode. But before you go, please remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you soon. Bye. 